Welcome to the 3ABN Australia Radio Book Reading Program. The Desire of Ages, written by Ellen White, is an inspirational account of the life and ministry of Jesus. What you are about to hear is a dramatized audio version of this book, created by Nancy Hamilton Myers. To download your free copy, visit thedesireofagesproject.com. Listen now as Nancy continues to read from The Desire of Ages. The Desire of Ages, Chapter 82 Why Weepest Thou? The women who had stood by the cross of Christ waited and watched for the hours of the Sabbath to pass. On the first day of the week, very early, they made their way to the tomb, taking with them precious spices to anoint the Saviour's body. They did not think about his rising from the dead. The sun of their hope had set, and night had settled down on their hearts. As they walked, they recounted Christ's works of mercy and his words of comfort, but they remembered not his words. I will see you again. Ignorant of what was even then taking place, they drew near the garden, saying as they went, Who shall roll us away the stone from the door? of the sepulchre. They knew that they could not remove the stone, yet they kept on their way. And lo, the heavens were suddenly alight with glory that came not from the rising sun. The earth trembled. They saw that the great stone was rolled away. The grave was empty. The women had not all come to the tomb from the same direction. Mary Magdalene was the first to reach the place, and upon seeing that the stone was removed, she hurried away to tell the disciples. Meanwhile, the other women came up. A light was shining about the tomb, but the body of Jesus was not there. As they lingered about the place, suddenly they saw that they were not alone. A young man, clothed in shining garments, was sitting by the tomb. It was the angel who had rolled away the stone. He had taken the guise of humanity that he might not alarm these friends of Jesus. Yet about him the light of the heavenly glory was still shining. And the women were afraid. They turned to flee, but the angel's words stayed their steps. Fear not ye, he said. For I know that ye seek Jesus, which was crucified. He is not here, for he is risen, as he said. Come, see the place where the Lord lay, and go quickly and tell his disciples that he is risen from the dead. Again they look into the tomb, and again they hear the wonderful news. Another angel in human form is there, and he says... Why seek ye the living among the dead? He is not here, but is risen. Remember how he spake unto you when he was yet in Galilee, saying, The Son of Man must be delivered into the hands of sinful men and be crucified, and the third day rise again. He is risen. He is risen. The women repeat the words again and again. No need now for the anointing spices. The Savior is living and not dead. 
They remember now that when speaking of his death, he said that he would rise again. What a day is this to the world! Quickly the women depart from the sepulchre with fear and great joy and did run to bring his disciples' word. Mary had not heard the good news. She went to Peter and John with the sorrowful message. They have taken away the Lord out of the sepulchre and we know not where they have laid him. The disciples hurried to the tomb and found it as Mary had said. They saw the shroud and the napkin but they did not find their Lord. Yet even here was testimony that he had risen. The grave clothes were not thrown heedlessly aside, but carefully folded, each in a place by itself. John saw and believed. He did not yet understand the scripture that Christ must rise from the dead, but he now remembered the Savior's words foretelling his resurrection. It was Christ himself who had placed those grave clothes with such care. When the mighty angel came down to the tomb, he was joined by another who, with his company, had been keeping guard over the Lord's body. As the angel from heaven rolled away the stone, the other entered the tomb and unbound the wrappings from the body of Jesus. But it was the Savior's hand that folded each and laid it in its place. In his sight, who guides alike the star and the atom, there is nothing unimportant. Order and perfection are seen in all his work. Mary had followed John and Peter to the tomb. When they returned to Jerusalem, she remained As she looked into the empty tomb, grief filled her heart. Looking in, she saw the two angels, one at the head and the other at the foot where Jesus had lain. Woman, why weepest thou? they asked her. Because they have taken away my Lord, she answered, and I know not where they have laid him. Then she turned away, even from the angels, thinking that she must find someone who could tell her what had been done with the body of Jesus. Another voice addressed her. Woman, why weepest thou? Whom seekest thou? Through her tear-dimmed eyes, Mary saw the form of a man And thinking that it was the gardener, she said, Sir, if thou have borne him hence, tell me where thou hast laid him, and I will take him away. If this rich man's tomb was thought too honorable a burial place for Jesus, she would provide a place for him. There was a grave that Christ's own voice had made vacant, the grave where Lazarus had lain. Might she not there find a burial place for her Lord? She felt that to care for his precious crucified body would be a great consolation to her in her grief. But now, in his own familiar voice, Jesus said to her, Mary. 
Now she knew that it was not a stranger who was addressing her, and turning, she saw before her the living Christ. In her joy, she forgot that he had been crucified. Springing toward him as if to embrace his feet, she said, Rabboni! But Christ raised his hand, saying, Detain me not, for I am not yet ascended to my Father. But go to my brethren and say to them, I ascend unto my Father and your Father, and to my God and your God. And Mary went her way to the disciples with the joyful message. Jesus refused to receive the homage of his people until he had the assurance that his sacrifice was accepted by the Father. He ascended to the heavenly courts and from God himself heard the assurance that his atonement for the sins of men had been ample, that through his blood all might gain eternal life. The Father ratified the covenant made with Christ that he would receive repentant and obedient men and would love them even as he loves his Son. Christ was to complete his work and fulfill his pledge to make a man more precious than fine gold, even a man than the golden wedge of Ophir. All power in heaven and on earth was given to the Prince of life, and he returned to his followers in a world of sin that he might impart to them of his power and glory. While the Savior was in God's presence, receiving gifts for his church, the disciples thought upon his empty tomb and mourned and wept. The day that was a day of rejoicing to all heaven was to the disciples a day of uncertainty confusion and perplexity. Their unbelief in the testimony of the women gives evidence of how low their faith had sunk. The news of Christ's resurrection was so different from what they had anticipated that they could not believe it. It was too good to be true, they thought. They had heard so much of the doctrines and the so-called scientific theories of the Sadducees that the impression made on their minds in regard to the resurrection was vague. They scarcely knew what the resurrection from the dead could mean. They were unable to take in the great subject. Go your way, the angels had said to the women. Tell his disciples and Peter that he goeth before you into Galilee. There shall ye see him as he said unto you. These angels had been with Christ as guardian angels throughout his life on earth. They had witnessed his trial and crucifixion. They had heard his words to his disciples. This was shown by their message to the disciples and should have convinced them of its truth. Such words could have come only from the messengers of their risen Lord. Tell his disciples and Peter the angel said. Since the death of Christ, Peter had been bowed down with remorse, his shameful denial of the Lord, and the Savior's look of love and anguish. 
were ever before him. Of all the disciples, he had suffered most bitterly. To him, the assurance is given that his repentance is accepted and his sin forgiven. He is mentioned by name. Tell his disciples and Peter that he goeth before you into Galilee. There shall ye see him. All the disciples had forsaken Jesus, and the call to meet him again includes them all. He has not cast them off. When Mary Magdalene told them she had seen the Lord, she repeated the call to the meeting in Galilee, and a third time the message was sent to them. After he had ascended to the Father, Jesus appeared to the other women, saying, All hail! And they came and held him by the feet and worshipped him. Then said Jesus unto them, Be not afraid. Go, tell my brethren that they go into Galilee, and there shall they see me. Christ's first work on earth after his resurrection was to convince his disciples of his undiminished love and tender regard for them, to give them proof that he was their living saviour, that he had broken the fetters of the tomb and could no longer be held by the enemy, death, to reveal that he had the same heart of love as when he was with them as their beloved teacher. He appeared to them again and again. He would draw the bonds of love still closer around them. Go tell my brethren, he said, that they meet me in Galilee. As they heard this appointment, so definitely given, the disciples began to think of Christ's words to them foretelling his resurrection. But even now, they did not rejoice. They could not cast off their doubt and perplexity even when the women declared that they had seen the Lord, the disciples would not believe. They thought them under an illusion. Trouble seemed to be crowding upon trouble. On the sixth day of the week, they had seen their master die. On the first day of the week, they found themselves deprived of his body. And they were accused of having stolen it away for the sake of deceiving the people. They despaired of ever correcting the false impressions that were gaining ground against them. They feared the enmity of the priests and the wrath of the people. They longed for the presence of Jesus, who had helped them in every perplexity. Often they repeated the words, We trusted that it had been He which should have redeemed Israel. And sick at heart, they remembered his words, If they do these things in a green tree, what shall be done in the dry? They met together in the upper chamber and closed and fastened the doors, knowing that the fate of their beloved teacher might at any time be theirs. And all the time they might have been rejoicing in the knowledge of a risen Saviour. In the garden, Mary had stood weeping when Jesus was close beside her. Her eyes were so blinded by tears that she did not 
discern him. And the hearts of the disciples were so full of grief that they did not believe the angel's message or the words of Christ himself. How many are still doing what these disciples did? How many echo Mary's despairing cry, They have taken away the Lord, and we know not where they have laid him. To how many might the Saviour's words be spoken? Why weepest thou? Whom seekest thou? He is close beside them, but their tear-blinded eyes do not discern him. He speaks to them, but they do not understand. Oh, that the bowed head might be lifted, that the eyes might be opened to behold him, that the ears might listen to his voice. Go quickly and tell his disciples that he is risen. Bid them look not to Joseph's new tomb, That was closed with a great stone and sealed with the Roman seal. Christ is not there. Look not to the empty sepulchre. Mourn not as those who are hopeless and helpless. Jesus lives. And because he lives, we shall live also. From grateful hearts, from lips touched with holy fire, let the glad song ring out. Christ is risen. He lives to make intercession for us. Grasp this hope and it will hold the soul like a sure, tried anchor. Believe and thou shalt see the glory of God. Join us next time as Nancy Hamilton Myers continues her dramatised audiobook, The Desire of Ages, written by Ellen G. White. This program has been brought to you by 3ABN Australia Radio.